0: This is the Silver City Church Podcast. Our prayer is you are edified by this content and that it refines your life in Christ. Visit us at silvercityky.com. From there, you can connect with us on social media, view our location and service time, and download our mobile app to stay all the more connected with us. If this content has been beneficial to you, please share it and give the show a high rating so more may hear the gospel of Christ. May you see God's will be done and kingdom come in your life. This morning, January 1st, 2023. In all seriousness, some of us in this room may have thought we might not be here on this very day to see another year. But I pray that the Lord would allow us to see many more and our families would see many more to a thousand generations kids this morning we got a couple words for you to listen for is it already up there it's not yet two words vision bible easy to remember right adults that means you too so as we come to our state of silver city 2023 i want to give you a definition the new oxford dictionary defines the word resolution as a firm decision a firm decision A New Year's resolution always comes, doesn't it? We seem to do this. New Year's means a new resolution, and resolutions aren't made in a vacuum. They're not made just at random. Most New Year's resolutions look back upon the previous year, and they identify an area that was deficient or fell short, like our call to confession this morning, and look to the future to resolve that issue. Sometimes they're bucket lists, but sometimes they generally are character flaws or things that we need to work on. These firm decisions, these resolutions, they're usually contrived by individuals this time of year for their good, right? They're, all, they're used most always for their good or the benefit for someone else. Unless they're just this crazy sociopath psycho, they're never, oh, you know what? I, I, wanna, I wanna get drunk more this year. Right, no, or, or I, want, I want to be sadder, I want to be meaner. We don't make those kinds of resolutions, do we? The resolution that each of us find ourselves making within the cultural habit each January, and whether you stick with it or not, they act as a wormhole, causing us to, to travel through time. There's my space nerd for you this morning. It would seem that each January 1st, the, the universe kind of folds upon itself and the past and the present and the future kind of all collide and meet together. But isn't this really kind of what a resolution is, if we think about it? Seriously, think about this for one moment. With a resolution, you look back on the previous year, right? You looking in the past, and you vow to do something different in the future, the days ahead. The past, present, and future, it's all intentional thoughts. It's taking every thought captive, as we're told to in Scripture. It is pondering the path behind from the path we're on right now and looking to the path ahead. So is this just something cultural that our our society has come up with? No, of course not. This is what the Lord has called us to do. Proverbs 5.21 says this, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. And yet the concept of a New Year's resolution goes beyond one day a year and permeates to the other 364. Because each day we go about resolving things. Right? We, we wake up each day in the present with work to do ahead of us in the future, while what we did the day before, the past, ripples and affects us today. Maybe you stayed up too late last night to watch the ball drop and you couldn't get out of bed this morning right? Past, present, future. We can all attest to this type of living because this is what it means to be human at the fundamental level in time in God's image. We all experience this being that we are made in God's image. We know that there is a past. We know that there is a present. We know that there is a future. And it seems to be that this past, present, and future is just this dance. See, ours as as humans, fallen in sin is kind of clumsy. It's like whenever you're doing a dance with, for those of you who have daughters, and she steps on your toes a lot, right? While God's dance is this waltz that we are trying to learn and mimic because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, past, present, future. So this morning, as we begin our first full year of worship here at Silver City, I would... Uh, it would do us well, it would do us well to be resolved on some things and look back now to 22 to look forward to the 364 days that are left in this year. So the main idea behind a sermon like this, and I admit it is, it is atypical, uh, is to keep everyone kind of on the same page so that we have a clear vision of what's going on, so we have goals so that the mission and identity of this particular body isn't muddy. Now, for those of you who know me, you know that, that I loathe, loathe, capital L, seeker-sensitive churches with, you know, the, the lights and the fog machines and all this stuff. I think it's kind of silly. I loathe it. I, I believe it's brought a, a lot of damage. I think it's brought a lot of damage to what a worshiping body is to look like both internally and how the world perceives the church. However, there, there have been some decent things that have actually arisen out of it by God's sovereignty. One of them is this, the constant reiteration of vision and direction. We all know of or have been to a church, faithful as it may be, it could be the most faithful little church that preaches the gospel and all that kind of stuff, but they seem to have no vision. There just seemed to be a barnacle on the side of a whale just kind of bobbing along, right? But others, usually megachurch style, are the reverse. They're the whale, right? The huge body out there in that water floating along with some barnacles that are wannabes stuck to the sides making these huge ripples. And so often they talk about vision. This seeker-sensitive movement has not concocted this focus on direction and vision kind of out of thin air like I opened with. It's not in a vacuum. It's not random. This concept of vision and direction and resolve, this is actually all biblical. This isn't something that has just come about in the past 20 years. The, the error of a seeker-sensitive style movement, think Hillsong, all right? Think um, Andy Stanley think these big giant churches Willow Creek that kind of stuff uh, Rick Warren the error of these seeker sensitive movements is it's obsessive focus upon a senior pastor who's like the CEO of this giant business think like the Elon Musk of the church that's just you know Twitter and Tesla and all these things with the church being a brand alright before Hillsong took its plunge, when you saw that nice cursive little H, you knew what that was. You knew what that was. It is a brand. Nevertheless, eating the meat and spitting the bones, right, we know that phrase. I think it's pertinent to take a, at least one Sunday per year as a gathered body to be resolved to have firm decisions, to have firm directions, to see where we have been, see where we are, and see where, we're going, where we are going. This is vision, right? Now, there are many in our camp, my camp, who react to seeker, seeker-sensitive stuff, and they hate the word vision. Oh, I don't say that. Whew, goodness, you're gonna be like one of those, you're gonna show up next week in a Hawaiian shirt and flip-flops preaching. No, vision, vision. It's 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 misused. We know this, but the Bible uses this word constantly. And That's what we're going to look at this morning as we go and see our base text for the state of Silver City address 2023. Please open your Bibles if you have them. It's a short verse. And I, I'm usually in the ESV, but I like the way the NASB says it. So this will be the NASB Proverbs 29 verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Thus says the living word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, would you have us to meditate upon your word this morning and see how this applies not only to our church, your church. But to each and every one of us would you convict us with your word would you have us grow in holiness and would you save us would we work out our salvation with fear and trembling whether that's for the first time or for the millionth time today would you guide us by the Holy Spirit the same Holy Spirit who breathe out the very scriptures we seek to examine and to build our lives upon and our families upon we thank you for the cross and we thank you for your sovereignty and we pray this in Jesus name amen now Proverbs 29, let's camp out right there, keep your Bible open. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29 comes within this latter section of Proverbs. There's 31 of them, so it's almost at the end. And it's in a particular region of Solomonic Proverbs or Proverbs from King Solomon uh, that begin in chapter 25. We have this other chunk of Solomonic or King Solomon Proverbs starting in chapter 25. And in Proverbs 29, we have this theme that kind of, repeats itself, and it has mostly to do with wise and righteous leadership from child and and parent leadership to king and people leadership. So we see this kind of hierarchy. It's all about, you could say Proverbs 29 is all about order. It's all about order, top-down, bottom-up, hierarchy, how things function. Uh, The main thrust of the first portion of Proverbs 29:18 is found in two words, the noun vision, the noun vision, and the verb rendered uh, cast off in the ESV or unrestrained. Uh, the, the Geneva Bible, which the KJV follows, might say decay, um, th- these two words. The noun vision in the original Hebrew here, Hason, is not simple like ocular vision here, seeing. It's not what it's talking about. It's actually a specific type, namely vision, oversight, seeing from God. Some, maybe a better word might be revelation almost, and not the book, not the last book, but God's oversight, not just simple, I see with my eyes, hello, Kim, you're wearing a blue plaid shirt. No, it's God's vision, God's vision. God's resolve. The the verb for cast off or unrestrained or decay is an interesting word grammatically as well. In short, it's in what we call the imperfect, which means it's uncompleted. It means it's ongoing. It's not done. It's just kind of you don't know when it's going to end. It's not necessarily in the past tense, like I used to have vision, but vision. Or I'm sorry, I used to cast off restraint, but cast off restraint it's ongoing it has no completion and that word there in the Hebrew means to let loose as with an animal or unbind and uncover as with a piece of clothing the single sentence right here in Proverbs in the original language is calling us back to the garden do you hear this it's calling us back to Eden Or with thinking about vision as the nucleus of everything right now, do you see this? A lack of God resolve, a lack of God vision leads to a people wild, naked, directionless, unbound, like feral, wild animals. So what is the solution to this? If The people, God's people, need his oversight, need his vision, his resolve. If the people need him to clothe them and to tell them what to do and to kind of restrain them, where do they get this? Do we need to go to like some special optometrist, like a spiritual optometrist downtown on the corner? Maybe Helderman Jacobs has like a special optometrist that gives us spiritual glasses, 3D glasses, right? Right? Red and blue lenses so we can see everything. Or maybe some special eye drops for those of us that don't need glasses. No. No, of course not. We aren't left guessing. We never are. We're told in the next portion of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, But, right here, but there's our sign on how to not be wild and directionless and unresolved. But blessed is he or happy is he who keeps the law. I love the original language here and it matters. Zach, why do you keep talking about that? Because it matters. We we lose some of the force and the literary play of this passage of how clunky English can be. Right, listen at this. 2918B reads like this, even how the words are situated. But he who watches over the law is blessed. All right? He who watches over the law is blessed. Can you see this picture in your mind? We're being told to be like a watchman on a tower, on the tower looking out over the land, surveying it, seeing it, looking back onto the city. It's our life lived in relation to God that we're looking out upon and how it sums up and keeps up with the law. Or you could say we are using our vision to survey God. The land of our life in relation to God's kingdom. And how are we blessed? How are we happy? How do we keep having that good 2020 vision? How do we keep from being wild and decaying and running amok? By keeping the law, which is the word of God, the godly oversight, the godly vision, God's resolve. You didn't know that there was that much to unpack in one single little proverb, did you? My goodness, because the word of the Lord is a thousand miles deep and a thousand miles wide, and we can drown in it. Mm-hmm. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. you didn't know that, did you? And this, this proverb is the very proverb that's going to propel us forward in 2023, and I pray the next century, really, even for Silver City and for your life. People have life verses, right? And that's fine and dandy. I could even admit I probably have a life verse, too. I like James 1, 2 through 4, right? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Because you know you're being perfected through those. You might have one, too. Some churches do stuff like words for their year theme. Well, I'm not doing that. But think of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen as our year verse, I guess you could say. Actually, memorize it. Can you memorize Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. It's short. I'm talking to you. Yeah, you, Jif. Can you, can you memorize it? It's pretty short. And it pertains to us, doesn't it? All of us. Memorize it. Teach it to your children. Meditate on it. Because it is this vision here of God that's not just for a year, like we're using God's Word as some fortune cookie or lottery numbers for the year. No, this is His will for all of life. I've heard of a ton of what you would call charismatic false teachers who think that they are prophets. They think that they're some sort of apostle. They use this verse to back up their leadership in the church, their control. Like, oh, you, you listen to me. I give the vision. I'm the man. I'm the one. I, you know, I run this. If you don't, just remember where well, there's no vision, vision, the people fail. You don't want to do that, do you? I've heard this multiple times with my own ears. But do you see when we go to those scriptures and we, we seek to examine them, how that's a twisting of it? That's, it has no bearing. It has nothing to do with someone's vision. It has nothing to do with Rob's vision or Justin's vision or Shannon's vision. It has to do with God's. It's about His vision, right? We see this. It's not some CEO, senior pastor. It's God. So what is the vision For Silver City in 2023 from the leadership here, from the leadership of our mother church in Batavia at East River, I'll tell you what it is. It's not my vision. It's not Garrett's vision. It's not anybody else's vision, Michael Foster's vision, nobody else's. The vision for Silver City is the same for each church. I pray it is for each true church, at least it should be, and it's this, keeping watch on our lives by looking to the scriptures, or better yet, having our lives clothed and restrained, brought to life, back to the garden, in fellowship with God, by looking to and living upon the Scriptures. That's it. That's God's vision. That's His vision for you. So for those who have been around me for a while, you know I also talk about taking every thought captive, submitting it to Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5 and living in accordance with the Scriptures. That's what we're seeking to do. That is our call. That is our, our goal as a Christian. And I don't mean this in a wooden, literalistic way. Like, take every thought captive and live by the Scriptures like as if Morgan and I get in a fight, then I'm going to go live in the corner of the roof in the attic like Proverbs tells us to do, right? I'm not going to do that. No. No. We're looking to God's Word we want to build our lives upon it. Matthew 7. Remember this one? The man who builds his house in the sand ends up dead. The man who builds his house on the solid rock of Christ has life eternal. So let's look back in the present. Here's our wormhole. Here's our time travel. Let's look back in the present to the past and then look to the future with this godly vision. And in so doing, we're going to know what the next year has in store for us as a church. And since we have already uh, been sent to seminary this morning in a single proverb with a lot of original language, I want to we'll we'll, uh, throw on those thrusters and cool the jets a little bit and we'll see that as we go through this idea of God's vision that this is something that's going to play out not only this coming year but I pray for many years to come. So, vision. 2022, where have we been? What's now Silver City Church? What we would say is Silver City Church was an idea that began to have a longing confessionally reformed church in the central Kentucky area. The idea of of Silver City was nothing short of desiring to have a place and a people who glorified God by their lives, raising their families on the word, living out the word, the word, the word, the word, God's vision. We started as a small Bible study at Bax Auto Auction. It was great when it started and then it got really hot, didn't it? It was 25 or so people. We were as hungry and excited for the word and for the community as we should all be as Christians, fellowship with one another, as we have fellowship with God. Where's that from? Oh, you all haven't been doing your homework. First John, you should have known that. That's the very first opening. All right, first John starts next week. Better read the whole thing unless we have a baby, then we'll see about that. All right. This community, loving one another as we love God, this dance. We talked through some basic ideas of what things could be. We prayed a lot. We went to the scriptures a lot. We sought a lot of counsel. God opened many opportunities for us by connecting us to East River and CREC. And these dominoes started to fall. And we, we shifted to getting everyone on the same page around this time. And we did a 20-week slow burn exposition of the Apostles' Creed. You all loved it. I know you did, Right? We all were on the same page with the Apostles' Creed. We saw how every word and line of the Apostles' Creed is inspired by Scripture, not Scripture itself, the Apostles' Creed is not. And we saw how that was the, the bare-bones basic of this is what it means to be a Christian, but it's not all, that, that you put the meat on it, but you have to have this. We, we were blessed with more families being added, being able to have the Ramada here, even though we've had a couple snafus, haven't we? There there have been moments of heartache in this group. There's been moments of heartache. Moments of immense joy. There's been moments of, of wanting to pull your hair out as well. Right? There have been individuals sanctified, growing in the Lord. There have been marriages restored. There have been families reconciled. There has been community formed. And guess what it's all been? Has it been because, well, you know, we get the ladies together and they all bring 50 pounds of butter and they make pie crusts? No, everything we have done has been based in the Word of God. So we launched officially as a church plant on October 9th. And here we are. Was like 12, 13, 14 weeks later? Here we are. We've grown in number and in health. I know that we've, we've grown in health. And we've explored the book of Titus field guide to church planting and i've heard from multiple people how helpful that was for you i loved going through titus and then we had advent we went through the first two chapters of luke so if we ever exposit luke if we ever go through luke we've already got the first two chapters covered don't we right We've had men's gatherings, women's gatherings, family functions, and it's all been this Titus two model. Men pouring into men, women pouring into women, then families coming together, taking care of one another, doing fellowship together, all of this, building one another up in love, as Ephesians four sixteen calls us to. There's your twenty twenty two overview. Eagle eye, thirty thousand foot. Okay. It's twenty twenty three now. What are we doing? Where are we going? Well, we are headed forward with what? God's vision. We're headed forward to continue to apply the Scriptures to our lives, no matter where we are in our walk with Christ, whether we're young, whether we're old, whether we're seasoned, whether we are infants in the Lord. We're going to continue to apply the Scriptures to our lives and live by them to be little shining cities, little silver cities set upon a hill, shining out into the darkness individually, and collectively, in 23, we're going to be going through the book of 1 John, right? What book are we going to start next week? John. All right, three people. What book are we starting next week? 1 John. 1 John. John. It's a great book. Please, uh, I'm not being facetious. Read it this week. Get your heart prepared. It's five chapters. You can do this. It's the easiest book of the New Testament to read, just the way that it's laid out grammatically. I've had many people in this very body come to me and say, I'm struggling with with, whether I'm not, I'm actually a Christian or not. I struggle with assurance of salvation. I struggle with with sin. I struggle, what am I supposed to do? And you know what? The book of 1 John is all about that. It's a self-certification, a self-test to examine your heart and your life and your walk in faith, the common faith that we're called to have. So I promise you this, 1 John is going to either convict you, and I pray unto new life, or it's going to challenge you, you who are walking with the Lord, and confirm and fan into flame the gift that God has given you as you have the zeal to abide in Him as He abides in you. 1 John's going to be a blast, right? After 1 John, we're going to go to an Old Testament book, or Old Testament (coughs) books, plural, for the rest of 23. Why? Well, because many churches in modernity, Christianity and modernity has this warped view of thinking the Old Testament, which is not really a thing if you think about it. It's old. Old means defunct. We don't need that. We've got the new model, right? We've got the new model that Morgan got a new steamer for Christmas, all right? The old one broke and it was fine, but the new one, it has spinny heads. Pretty cool. It's not what we're talking about, right? Old does not mean defunct. Part one, part is better. No. We had this continuous story from Genesis to Revelation. It's one book with 66 chapters, not two books with, eh, the prequels, okay, like the Hobbit movies, terrible, they're alright, I guess. We want, we want the, the, the Fellowship Trilogy, don't we? Right, Chase? No. We're going to go to the Old Testament and I'll leave you guessing where we're going to go. Right? Additionally, In accordance to 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 and 1 Peter 5, we'll have the honor and the privilege of installing our second elder here, Garrett Collier, who you all know has been functioning in that role for a time now. Garrett's been training for this. He's been doing the work of an elder since day one. He's the perfect candidate. He has the heart for it. He has the call for it. His family, that Titus 1 elder, his family lives up to that. And I believe that he is going to be a great benefit for us so I need to say this straight up though, okay? Because this is a little bit of a different sermon. Straight up, especially of those for, uh, for those of you who have been with us for a while. This is just wisdom, all right? And I say this with love, with a smile on my face. It is a graceful garland for you to wear upon your head, a pendant for your neck, Proverbs 1. Here's some wisdom. I've been where you are, obviously. I've been in the pew. I've been in a church with multiple pastors, which is good, that's biblical. There must be a plurality of elders to be biblical and to be safeguarded, but I've been where you are and have wrongfully seen the guy who does the, who does the bulk of the preaching as the real pastor. And then the other guy or guys, they're just like the juniors. They're the associates, right? That guy up there, he's the bachelor's degree. Those other guys are like some high school. That's that right there. Will cause division in a church faster than you realize. In the pew, and in the leadership, and what it will do is inject pride into the person that does the bulk of the teaching. Silver City, hear me this. Hear this, okay? I am your pastor, and pastor of this this flock. I'm an elder. I love you all more than you know. I pray for you all all the time, every single week. You all are amazing. You're a joy to watch over. But Garrett, who's not here today, but Garrett, he's your pastor too. Not 70-30, not 60-40, (laughs) 100-100. Not even 50-50. It's 100-100 equal. Go to him with your needs. Go to him with your prayer requests. Ask him for insight and counsel. If he is concerned about something, He's going to come to you just the same way that I would. If, heaven forbid, if He has to rebuke you about something, or if He gives you wisdom, listen to Him. He's worthy of double honor, as Hebrews tells us. He is going to be our second elder. Uh, additionally, in 1 Timothy 3, being based on the Word, God's vision, right, blessed is He who keeps the law, we're going to the Scriptures and seeing what it says, and that's what we're forming all of this around. That's where we're headed. First Timothy 3 tells us not only about elders but about the office of deacon now some of you may have grown up in a church where the deacons ran the whole church and they were kind of like a board or a what would you call it a council that kind of make all the decisions this is really typical in a lot of baptist churches um, and congregational churches and that's fine Every church kind of has a different thing. But if we go to the scriptures, biblically a deacon is not somebody who rules over people. A deacon is someone who serves. They are kind of a helping hand. They buffer some of the daily tasks and they buffer some of the craziness from uh, the, not only the body, but also from the elders. So deacon simply means servant. And this office, if you want to read about it, is officially established in Acts chapter 6. You can read about that. And it's about... Uh, the apostles not being pulled in a bunch of different directions. It's a great and honorable role. So in 2023, we're going to be installing our first two deacons as well. We're going to start laying down this leadership. We're going to start laying down this path incrementally, slowly, not jumping into the deep end, but going into the shallow end and waiting out so we don't get hypothermia, shock our system. Uh, speaking of shepherding and thinking about all this, I've said it, we'll have the announcement again, but we'll be discussing church membership and what that means most likely next month in case something crazy happens. But here's this, a little overview. Church membership just gives ownership. It gives a clear affirmation that you who would be members affirm that this is where you worship that this is your body this is where you are and that the elders of this place watch over your souls your eternal souls with care and that they love you and that you submit to them and we hate that word in culture and it's dumb that we hate that word right submission John Stott uh, I'll never forget this submission is love's response to love I love that definition it's not heavy-handed you listen to me it's It's loving submission to one another. That's what we're called to do, not only in marriage, parents and kids, that's life unto God. Membership also, just like Israel, tells who's part of the community for the elders. Moses didn't lose sleep at night about the random Midianite, just kind of like, oh, what are y'all doing? Cool, can I have some of that manna? No, he didn't lose sleep about that random Midianite that wandered in. He lost sleep over the people of Israel the community, those who are marked for God. Membership's not a country club. It's, it's, in short, it's a covenant between a body of people saying, yes, this is where we are. This is where we want to be. This is where we come to worship. And this is where we will have our lives be shaped by the Word of God. That's all it is. But we'll talk more about it. Another aspect of God's resolve is order. When we see Genesis 1 and 2, creation, God orders everything he speaks everything he creates everything but he orders it everything after its own kind when we come to worship whether you realize it or not there's an order to all of this right we don't come in and we just whatever on the wall sticks we do it no there's there's a an order this is what we would call the liturgy of a body liturgy of a church liturgy just comes from an old greek word that just means public worship service there you go, you've got all these words to impress your friends with this week when you go back to work in 23. They're gonna think that all you did was sit on like Biblingo or something and learn History Channel stuff all week. All right? Liturgy is just the church actualized for worship. The church actualized for worship. So when we come in, this is what we do, right? We, we fellowship, we have a call to worship, we sing, we have our confession and assurance of pardon, we receive received the, the word of God, we give back unto God, all these things, and we've got prayers scattered out through all. So every church has a liturgy. This is where we are right now. Even ones that say they don't have liturgy have liturgy. So some are simple, others are complex. I think there's something beautiful to a robust liturgy, but I think sometimes it can be bogged down. Our liturgy is solid, because based on the word of God. But there's a few aspects that we're going to add in 23. Right? You ready? Nothing crazy? I think it's going to be great if we as a body do a corporate Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? Doing that together, saying, yes, Lord. You have given us salvation. You have given us all these wonderful things. And you've also given us this model prayer. And we submit that, submit unto you. And we pray that together. We're also going to introduce... Uh, The Gloria Patria, you may not know what that is. It's a short little song that that speaks about glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, for now and ever will be, world without end, amen. That's it. And we're going to sing that after our assurance of pardon because how glory, uh, where are we going to give glory to? Who are we going to give glory to from our confession and our assurance to know that we are saved, to know that we have a way of salvation? Glory to the Son. Yeah, singing is a big deal because we have poetry or song as the first words ever spoken by man in Genesis. We'll have the Lord's Supper installed later on with the receiving of first members and we're also going to have catechism. Well, what's that? Some of you may know about it and this is what I'm really excited about. Here's another word for you. Who are you going to impress tomorrow? Lalo who you want to impress tomorrow? Impress somebody, All right? Okay. Rob Impress somebody with some big words you already know these anyway catechism just means teaching through question and answer the church used to catechize its people for some reason they stopped doing this i think it's probably because it was not very flashy but question and answer it's you know what is the chief end of man man's chief end is to glorify god and enjoy him forever these, these question, simple question and answers. And what they do is they help us know what we believe and be able to regurgitate those, uh, those truths back. It helps us to ponder our path, as we're called to do. How are we going to do this? Well, kids, Isaiah, Samuel, Nova, Atlas, Tulia, all you guys, I can't see everybody, so I'm like trying to remember everybody. We're going to have here, all the kids come up front, and then Garrett's going to teach us a catechism question That means you adults get to learn it too, and we're going to send a paper home, and you get to talk about that all week with your kids and how glorious that is. And speaking of that, catechism isn't just for Sundays. It should be happening in the home, and I know it is for many of our people here. And it's not just merely question and answer. From day one, we've pushed the importance of family worship at Silver City gathering together, reading the word together, praying together, even singing together because our lives are built and founded upon God's word. It's our job as Christians, we know this, to pass the promise to our children, to our sons and daughters, to raise them in the Lord. We're called to this time and time again in Scripture. I think about 2 Timothy where Paul praises Timothy for his faith because from childhood he was raised on the sacred texts by his mother and grandmother. See, this is our job. I pray that each of us in here, whether it's on the last day of our life or in the middle, whatever it would be, that we would be able to say what Paul says. I'm so thankful for your faith, Timothy, that you've had from childhood. Right? If we only have the Bible right here at church for an hour or so on Sundays, we're starving ourselves. Man does not live By bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, Deuteronomy 8 3. Family worship. It's not difficult. You might think that that means somebody's like a pastor inside the house. No, no. It's a discipline. It's getting together, reading scripture, praying with one another, praying for one another. 10 minutes. Because your children and you will see that the Bible is for every area of life. We'll have events. Men's and women's stuff, corporate. Of course, we need these things because this is fellowship. We have fellowship with one another as we have fellowship with God. 1 John 1 through 4. Right? So, men, we're gonna do stuff together just guys. We're gonna do stuff together, just ladies, you ladies, then we'll come together and do stuff because this is Titus 2, working out. Guys, guns and meat. Right? Just Ladies, maybe you need to learn how to shoot a gun. We need to do that. You ladies need to learn how to defend yourself. Sewing, making pies, community yard sales, whatever, right? We'll have these things. There'll be opportunities for us to gather outside the church as well, not just formally sanctioned things. I I pray that you as a body, Silver City, would gather outside of this place as a natural, big, giant family. And this is where outreach comes in as well. Of course, we're going to have outreach opportunities this year. But this is another thing that I want to continue to drive into you as we wind down. If you see a need, you don't have to always come to the leadership to say, can we do something? If you have the ability to, to meet that need, do it. Because that's what it means to be a part of the body. That's what Titus taught us, Titus 3, to live godly before others and to have the ability, if we have it, to help with that. We don't always have to sanction things, but we obviously we will. One practical outreach that we're going to do, one that I'm elated about, is we're going to launch this in the summer tentatively. It's called Silver City Co-op, right? We have many that are turning away from government education, which is a good thing right now. They're rediscovering these Christian, classic, Christ, classical Christian educations, whether that's through a classical school or homeschooling or something of a hybrid like that, and they don't know where to start. So starting in the summer, each week we're going to be hosting a free-to-the-community, ages 5 to 95, if you've got breath in your lungs, co-op with a chapel service and two classes. The two classes are going to be Latin and a Christian worldview class, somewhat like a a Francis Schaeffer, How Should We Then Live? Everyone needs to know Latin in my book. Why? Why? Because 90% of English words are derived from Latin, and you don't even know the language that you speak. You ready? Why is an ambulance called an ambulance? You ever sat and thought about that? Fire truck makes sense, doesn't it? Kyle, you think fire truck makes sense, right? You don't think it makes sense? (laughs) It's going to a fire, fire truck. Why is an ambulance not called a pickup hurt people van. You don't know, do you? The Latin word, ambulo, means I walk. What does an ambulance do? Picks up people who can't walk. Takes them to the hospital. Right? We start to see how language matters. And why does language matter? Because God created through language. Think about this. You are living language. God spoke. We walk on living language. The Lord spoke these things. So we're going to do that. And in the Christian worldview would be like a a humanities class, sort of looking at art and entertainment and where we are and our own thoughts through the lens of Christ. It's going to be a great opportunity for the community. It's free to everyone. We're going to blow this up and also to you all. So we're going to continue to found everything with God's vision. And lastly, saving the best for last, right? If we're going to have God's resolve, we actually have to know what his resolve is, his vision for us. And what is that? His Word. We have to know His Word. So we're going to be doing this church-wide Bible reading challenge together. It's in your bulletin. You see it. I hope you have it. If you don't have one, we'll get one for you. Do this personally. Use this for family worship. Do these things. Maybe you split it up. Do Old Testament in the morning, New Testament night. Maybe you listen to some of it. Whatever you want to do. Because we're going to go found our lives on the Word. Whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter. But you know what it's going to cause us to do? Read through the Bible an entire year together. Psalm 119 15 through 16 says this, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. You know what that is? That's God's vision. That's God's vision. Would we each have that? Now, these are big things. I know this seems like an atypical sermon because it is, oh, it's a little boring. I want you to hear this from the pulpit, where we've been and where we're going so we're all on the same page. And I pray you see Silver City is committed to God's vision. All along, we're not going to stop. We're founding our lives with the Word and going into our community with the Word, God's vision. So as I close, I just want to reiterate our 10 core commitments. They're in your bulletin too. And as I do, I pray that you see that everything that we've talked about today fits into one of these core commitments. We're committed to historical biblical Christianity. We are committed to unity found in generous, generous orthodoxy, meaning we're not going to divide over things we don't need to divide over. We're committed to passage-by-passage passage preaching of the Bible. We're committed to being accessible to the everyday Christian. We're committed to addressing the issues of our day. We are ki- so here's an example. Transgenderism is stupid. There you go. We are committed to localism and cultural reformation. We are committed to personal spiritual disciplines. We're committed to the family. We are committed to streamlined form of ministry. And we're committed to a leadership of a plurality of elders. That's us. And that's where we're going. So I pray the Lord would give you zeal, wisdom, discernment, protection, health, reconciliation, sanctification, and most certainly salvation. Salvation in 2023, if he has not yet. I pray that he would give that to you. Let us resolve to build our lives upon the scriptures together, that we may be shining cities on a hill and have that light illuminate Mount Sterling, Montgomery County, and the surrounding areas that Christ would be made known and individuals, and whole families, and whole cities, and whole counties, and whole countries, the whole world would be redeemed out of darkness into His glorious light to see His kingdom come. Amen. Grace and peace to you. Let's pray.